Welcome to the 156th edition of the Gooner Podcast. This is your host, Kevin Witcher. And we are recording this on the Wednesday evening after Arsenal won a record 13th FA Cup by beating Chelsea 2-1 at Wembley. We'll start with some very brief panel intros as there is plenty to discuss and I had about five minutes to write this intro today. Uh, In order of positivity, first up, always smiling. Full-time journalist and author who has never forgotten the minor hand of the gooner had in giving him a leg up on his route to the press box. A good evening to Mr. Leith Yusuf. Good evening, Captain. Um, next up, a reasoned but critical individual who gets dogs abuse on Twitter for having an opinion. It's the Arsenal Supporters Trust board member and media man. A warm welcome to Mr. Tim Payton. Good evening. And last but not least, a panel regular, I think I can predict, was less than thrilled at the official announcement today <laughs> that Arsene Wenger will be spending another two seasons minimum at the club. It's hello to Mr David Udo. Evening all. Right, uh, lots and lots of questions submitted, but I'm actually going to start the ball rolling by taking the focus off the announcement today and actually rewinding a bit, because we have had a league campaign come to a conclusion with, if memory serves me right, a run of seven victories in eight matches. Um, But that rally was too late. Arsenal finished fifth. Um, Were you bothered? By that stage of the season, no, not really. I mean, um, mean, it it was a a relatively okay start to the season, but to say that, that Christmas and the whole of January and February ruined everything. Uh, I mean, if everyone gets angry in last season, season four, we see splits in the ground between pro-Vengers and anti-Vengers, but um, it was a straw break. I mean, and we're used to going out to Barcelona or Bayern Munich in the um, first knockout round in the Champions League. But this year, everyone just went um, absolutely crazy. And at that point, it was just a complete vault fast by everyone. And uh, at that point, it was just, can we just get to the end of the season and change the manager? Was it for everyone? Um, I mean, there was the, the big argument in and around um, uh, the Red Tops and, um, and it, Sky Sports every week was whether we're going to make the Champions League, but I'm, I'm not speaking on behalf of everyone. The impression I got was the majority of us didn't really care one way or the other. We just need to change our manager. That's all we wanted to get to. So, so what percentage of the support, would you say, was of that mindset? Oh, um, what, not caring? Um, well, no, thinking we're going to... Well, thinking we need to change manager. I, I, I think we're certainly uh, on top of 50 this time. I'd say closer to 80. 80%. Okay. In terms of supporters, I don't mean people with all due respect at club level or within the, uh, the tiny boxes which nobody can actually see into and they shoot really hard. Tim, you were I was bothered. You were bothered. Yeah, because we should be coming first. Right. Second is failure, third is more failure, fourth is bigger failure, fifth is even more failure, and so on. So is I there wish Arsenal off- would think like that. This is a competition. It's a league. So I'm interested in how many points we win, but not really that much. If you get 70 points and it's one point more than the next best team managed in the same competition, you're champions. <coughs> and that'll, that'll do me. You know, look back to some of Arsene Wenger's champions and they don't have many more points than was achieved this year. And I wish Arsenal would have this attitude. What it's become default actually, but top four is success. So this was seen as failing by one point. 
Sorry, sorry, guys. This was not failing by one point. This was failing by eighteen points. Eighteen points behind Chelsea. <laughs> it's abject failure. It bother- you can hear it bothers me. Well, that's fair enough. Were you bothered by the difference between fourth and fifth? Not usually, no. Right. Uh, for like I say, every place up the league is a, is is where you are better. I can actually see, and, it, and it's sort of not totally linked to this, that a Europa League could be quite a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, and I know as someone who will go to Arsenal European away games, you're probably going to get to go to some countries I've never heard of <laughs> and grounds that are new. And I think that that will be interesting and different. And actually, oh, you know, and this will sound incredibly. This is when I meet the non-Arsenal fans. Oh, you're so entitled and he's old and he's uh, not Munich again, not Barcelona <laughs> again, not not Milan again. But you know, it was a little bit like, oh, here's the group stage. They'll charge us lots of money for the games. And the minute it gets into the, when it matters, we'll get knocked out and we're out of it. So, in that in that sense, I'm not that bothered. In fact, I think it could be quite refreshing. And I do understand the argument about how it might force the club to face reality and and move forward. Although with the announcements of today, which I expect you're going to bring me back to, mm. I'm not sure it has created that much of a wake up call at all. Mm. Okay. Leith, what were your uh, emotions of the Everton game? As you heard the Liverpool scores coming through. Yeah, well, first thing I was going to say, I've just about sobered up enough to um, <laughs> answer your question, but as soon as you've handed me a large beer, I'm not sure anymore. But um, <laughs> Yeah, that Everton game, that was, um, that was something else in itself. Um, just before half-time, obviously, Liverpool scored their first goal, and um, there was hope before then, and uh, you could really feel it in the ground as well. Once that goal went in, you just knew Liverpool were going to get you know, better our result, basically, and they did. It was a strange feeling finishing fifth after all these years. But I would flip that round as to say, is anyone disappointed in winning the FA Cup? Mm. We were all there on Saturday. It was a glorious day. You know, I had friends there. I was there, lucky enough to be in the press box covering it for the Isling Gazette. It was fantastic. And then I obviously celebrated Saturday night all through Sunday, all through Monday and a bit of Tuesday as well. But it was, it was glorious to be there. Um, taken in... You know, in, in just that day, a snapshot of that day, it was fantastic. Everyone loves the FA Cup still. Right, well, let me just focus on that, OK? So, first question, just to you, Leith. Would you prefer if Arsenal had a new manager next season or not? We know what's happened, but what was your feeling? If I've been on this for a couple of years now, and you know my feelings up until Munich away. I, I covered the game for the Isn't Gazette, you know, I'm sure Tim was there, maybe David was there, we, we, obviously we know a lot of people there if we weren't there ourselves. I covered the game, filed the match report on the whistle, legged it down to the to the press conference downstairs, Wenger walks on, completely ashen faced as you'd expect, sits down, you're thinking, right, we're going to get five, ten minutes out of this and we'll see how it goes. Literally, the first question was, yeah, what happened tonight, Arsene? And he just said they were mentally jaded. And... The follow-up question, there was about 50 English journalists in the room that were going to ask it. I can't remember who actually asked it. I was certainly going to be one of them if someone else hadn't. Was, why? Why are they meant to be jaded? And Mark Ganella immediately shut down the press conference. Wenger walked out and that was it. And that was the first time I've properly thought it's the Emperor's new clothes. Right. There was no strategy behind okay, that. so I'm going to take that now. Thank and I'm going to ask you this. Good politician. There's no yes or no there. I was brought up to believe that football was about winning trophies. Arsenal have won three trophies in the last four years. What is all this clamour for the manager's head? Again, yeah. I mean, I wrote a, I wrote a piece for the Islington Gazette this week, uh, an opinion piece. 
no one is entitled to success. No one is entitled to, to win every football match. You learn more from losing football matches than you do from winning sometimes. It's the same with life as well. You've got to learn how to lose just as much as you've got to learn how to win. But we were sold a dream when we moved from Highbury, when, when, we, were, when we were told we were moving from Highbury. And that was to challenge at the top, top level of, of English football, certainly, and, and potentially European football as well. And that just hasn't happened in the slightest. And that's why people are frustrated. Obviously, you get, you get loads of other sort of anti-Arsenal feeling and, and fans who are not Arsenal fans going, oh, you're so self-entitled and you're so smug and don't understand what it's like to be a Sunderland fan or, a, I don't know, a Lincoln fan or something like that. It's not about that. It's, it's about the fact you want to see your team progress year on year. And if we were still at Highbury, I don't think there'd be such vitriol because people would be like, well, we're still at Highbury. You know, this is our home. This is what we've got. Obviously, we'd like to move on. But we were told that we were going to move on and win trophies, i.e. the Premier League and the Champions League. And that's just not happened. And that's why I think there's so much frustration. And the trophies are not equal in status. That's the key point here. There are four trophies... You know, Mourinho, there are five, you know, sitting early in the Emirates Cup. But we all know there is now a bigger gulf than ever. As much as the three cup final wins of the last four years have been good fun days yeah. out, yeah. and I've enjoyed them, yeah. I would sacrifice all three for one European Cup yeah. to get that all star on badge. In fact, I think I'd turn that into the last five, because <laughs> it's not even comparable. And I, I loved Saturday... I think partly the weather, the performance, not expecting mm. it against Chelsea, more than for a cup finals for a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. But what was interesting, because I'm not denigrating it, but what was interesting, I've got a few Chelsea mates like other people, they really weren't that fast. They were annoyed their team hadn't played that well, but they were, congrat- they were congratulating me, they were quite magnanimous about it, and the team that wanted it more on the day. Why were they not that fast? Because two weeks earlier they'd done something ten times the size of the FA Cup. And it's a little bit like the FA Cup is the icing on the cake, but Arsenal have got to start getting some fucking cakes again. <laughs> and that, you know, and also the, the, the European Cup. And I do think that, you know, in our world we made the FA Cup huge, partly because it was a bit of a rebound from the failures of what really matters. Look at the teams that they put out in the earlier rounds. Look at where it's at. It's a good day out. You Probably if you win it, you get a nice hangover. If it, if it lasts three days, <laughs> it may, it's about lunchtime Sunday and I'm feeling <laughs> all right again. And so it is good fun, but I'm telling you, it's not what it's about, is it? Do you think the win on Saturday had any bearing on the decision of Cronky? Because that's what it came down to to extend Arsenal's stuff. I'm not certain. I think it made it a lot easier. I think if we'd have gone down 3-0 mm. rather than 1 and, and, you know, the stadium would have emptied with 20 minutes to go or Wenger had been booed or not mm. felt all of that, I think it would have... I, I really do think you'll probably come on to this that we had an incredibly close call on Wenger staying. I mean, the fact that it went until the Monday, the fact that it wasn't... You know, Cronky had to turn up and overrule or adjudicate in it shows how close run thing it was mm. and I, I don't know for certain but I think that a cup final defeat would have made it very tough yeah. for Wenger to carry yeah it. I agree can I just say I mean obviously covering Arsenal home and away I'm in the press conferences after every game you see Wenger there from I don't know West Brom onwards when we lost 3-1 the, the contract was on the table and it's been on the table for a long time Nothing has changed from, say, West Brom or even Palace in terms of that contract, as far as I know. Talking to people, talking to sources. It's the fact that you're right. It was a right they were just trying in the right time to announce the fact he was going to sign it, basically. But no, no. Wasn't the decision made on Monday? I don't think it was. I don't think it was. You don't think it was? No. Well, why no. then, in that case, was Wenger so vague? 
You tell me, it's so frustrating sitting in there. Because he, the one no, I don't think it, I think it was withdrawn from being able to be signed. And I think, from what you know, there were at least two board members that were quite adamant that he shouldn't have it and it should go. Sitting in and those I press conferences, got, him and doing that dance no, every go, game. He could, yeah, but he, he knew the contract was there. He, he uh, knew it was down to him to sign it. It was just all about PR. If it, is, if it is said, come into, Pal- come into the press conference after Palace, after so the worst performance in 30 years, so and gone, you know, I've, I've signed a contract but he's then, but what he would happen then? But if it was all about PR, he has then gone on the record saying it was hugely destabilising to his Yeah, team. absolutely, and I'm sitting there so when he says that, and so, I'm just going, how can so he then say he's that? Not, he's not fit to be manager, because he's quite in a scenario. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know, I, I think it's slightly different to that. What was quite entertaining, and of course, look, all managers, if you find what they say one week and go back the next week, you mm. can kind of unpick them. But on the eve of a cup final, I think he felt he was probably going to lose, and he said his future wouldn't be decided on the result of one cup final. At the end of the 90 minutes, didn't he say, just play the tape to the board, and that would tell them everything they need to know. Yeah, yeah. So he was actually completely, completely yeah, two different Straight positions. after the cup final, when he came in, he's obviously quite, you know, we've seen him over the last 21 years. Sometimes when he wins a trophy, he's relatively magnanimous. He was really spiky when he walked in on, on sun, sun, Saturday afternoon and evening. He basically had a pop with the fans. He was going, someone, I can't remember what the question was, but someone said to him, you know, what, what do you think about next season? What do you think about what's gone on? And he had a real pop with the fans. He was like, I don't mind criticism. I don't mind people saying this, that and the other. But when the game starts, you have to support your team. That was a real pointed... He does mind criticism. That, well, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've got I to agree. interject there. The one thing about Arsene... Is he bristles when anyone questions him? Yeah, I agree. So he can't say that. He's been saying it. He's been saying it. I'm sorry, but that's what we call BS in this business. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, let's just briefly sum up the end of the league campaign. So it's these seven wins in eight games. Arsene complained about other teams facing opposition that were on holiday. My thought on Arsenal's run at the end of the season was uh, one team we played, Manchester United, weren't interested in the results particularly. One team were, which was Spurs, and the other six were either rubbish or their season was over. So you think that run actually gives us hope for the future? It's, It's just so perplexing. I came away from Selhurst Park, which I think was the run started from there, and I'd never seen anything like it in terms of. I don't think I can ever recall. They were you're chanting, not at "You're the, not fit to wear." And the they're shirt. chanting and, at the bus and, 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 and at the bus and the performance. I mean, was, 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 I, yeah. I thought for the first time ever, I thought that was a dressing room that wanted the manager out, and I looked at it and thought, "This team is going to reach the end of. The, we might come seventh. Mm. You know, we're going to get annihilated <coughs> in the semi-final." So the one thing that I can't work out, how can they have been so awful in those eight weeks before, but then actually pull out eight out of nine games in a row, which included City and Chelsea at Wembley? It's, it's just almost beyond comprehension. The, the, but the, did the you notice uh, a difference in the intensity of the performance at Wembley in those two games? Yes. Oh, yeah. We, 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 now, what's the reason behind that? Well, that's it. If we could work that out, what has gone on behind the scenes? I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think it's a lot to do with the back three as well. Yeah, he, he put the back three in. But he had the back three in league games and at the, the cup it, games. It was the 17th of April, the Middlesbrough game away, Bank Holiday Monday over Easter. That was the first time he did it. He didn't do it for Palace the week before. No. And Palace almost brought that decision on. You could argue Chelsea played it nine months previously. Why didn't we adopt it earlier? 
But the fact is, he, he brought it on in that Middlesbrough game, and that was when you've got to date it from, not from. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not. I'm yeah. including those games. I'm talking about the intensity. Though. The intensity was there. The also, intensity, no, the intensity was at Wembley. More, you could have added one more team to your teams that were virtually on the beach, because I don't know whether Chelsea had been partying all week. Mm. Right. But that yeah. that was a team. Team. Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, and I know one or two people that that work at Wembley, and they were like, they arrived like it was almost a chore to get out of the way, yeah. and I. I don't want to, we were great and we went at them and we didn't give them a chance but they I felt that they'd switched off rather than they didn't seem particularly fussed about not getting a double well I mean the best attacking player across the league this season has arguably been Hazard but I mean the man was played out of the game by with all due respect a reserve back well, five uh, the intensity was great from Arsenal but I just don't think Chelsea came at that like they really wanted it sadly I agree but completely. also give us credit we clearly did Okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to have to start bringing in some of the submitted questions. We've got so many. So, a certain Mike Francis, yeah, yeah. the originator cool. of the Guinness fanzine, has tweeted, have we had a more successful season than Tottenham, Man City and Liverpool as we won the FA Cup? Are trophies the primary measurement of success? Well, we've kind of answered that already. Um, Can I just say, I do a question and answer session every Friday for the Isn't Gazette. And one of the questions is, you know, I've asked Tim as well, fourth place or FA Cup? And, what and everyone has said FA Cup. Right. There's not been one person who said fourth place. That's the thing, though. I mean, if you're asking actual football fans what you prefer between fourth place and the FA Cup, we'd say the FA Cup every time. Of course, most people would say the League Cup. Because every yeah. I think it's become what I was trying to say, almost like a false question or the lazy question. What would you prefer, failure or the FA Cup? Yeah. Fourth means three teams have been better. If I said to you, what would you prefer, the league title or the FA Cup, you'd think I was daft. You'd think, what a stupid question, Tim. If I said, would you prefer the Champions League or the FA Cup, we are in danger. But it's still silverware. Of, and I'm sounding like, it, yeah, it, it is, but we've got, I, I next year, as much as I'm wrong, I would rather we got, we lost in the final of the Champions League than won the FA Cup. Because in getting to a final of the Champions League, you've got that great quarter-final, that semi-final, that getting to the final itself. There are going to be Big moments nights. of magic in doing yeah. that. Yeah. Big nights and getting all the way through. Just like and I think, we're getting, so I think right. it, the but danger is, if we make it, the FA Cup is great fun, but it should be seen as additional to. I, I agree what you're saying, but if Finger had walked away this week, what would you be saying about the FA Cup? Would you, you know, it's a trophy, it's silverware, it's great, we're going to have a new manager, a new start. I would say, I would say I really enjoyed the FA Cup final win on Saturday, but I hope we're getting a manager that means that the next couple of years, I'm, at the end of the season, I'm thinking about the title and the Champions League. <laughs> that is where, if we are making out, the FA Cup is kind of like the biggest trophy in our horizon, and when you're asked, fourth place or FA Cup, like it's a choice, hate that choice. It's ridiculous, it's like we've become the biggest of the small clubs. So we're starting our season <coughs> giving a choice do you want to win the FA Cup or not no I want to start the season believing that I've got a squad strong enough to compete for the Champions League and the Premier League title but what underpins that question is would you have a trophy or not have a trophy well to me the Champions League and the league title are somewhere between five and ten times in waiting to an FA no, Cup absolutely I completely agree but how many teams win the, you know, win the Champions League well you know it's tough but I think there are well, did, I, did someone tell me there were there are 19 teams that have got beyond the round of 16 since Arsenal last did it. Mm. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, a couple of semi-finals would sort of do for me. Well, yeah. Although those Man United ones were awful. And I know people might look at me and say, I even think a Champions League semi-final, 
I, I kind of start getting in the weighting of it as being almost being better than an FA Cup. Win. Maybe that's a question I'm going to ask next season. Champions League semi final with the FA Cup. Do you see what I mean? It's interesting to To me, mm-hmm. it's a no-brainer yeah. question. Fourth or FA Cup is no-brainer. Runners-up or FA Cup is perhaps a little bit more interesting because if you run us up it means you've got damn close and but does that mean Spurs have had a better season last season? I think that it's interesting but I can see it I think it's 50-50 call that one I think it's a close one thing hmm. um, well I'll, I'll, I'll just at this point we'll move on to the final itself uh, Joe Gagliardi a regular uh, questioner uh, tweeted was Saturday's performance one of Arsenal's best ever big game performances under Arsenal. Any other come to mind? Real Madrid away in Champions League? Question mark. Um, I mean, when was the last time you think Arsenal played that well? Um, first half uh, against um, Man United last season, um, where we came out, got those opening goals, we, we, we killed the game off. Um, by half time therefore the second half was essentially a training session mm. I mean, we did an awful lot of that in the last three years a hybrid to be honest mm. um, I remember one game against Charlton at home we were um, three up after about nine minutes I think it was and I think Paolo Vanazza may have appeared in the second oh, half yeah. it was that level of, of glory but uh, <laughs> in terms of recent years uh, you know when things haven't been great at all I mean that's one that does come to mind when we just came out took it out them. therefore we could play the second half in second gear but I mean it was a kind of nothing game really mm. Yeah, and it was Van Hal as well, the manager, <laughs> yeah. Fergie, but... Yeah, I mean, so it was, did I see a tweet earlier? Uh, maybe it was Joe himself, who said, um, obviously, Real, Real Madrid. I was there, I'm sure you guys were as well. It was, it was, it was fantastic. You're talking about Champions League you know, runs, that was brilliant. That was, that was when you knew Arsenal. To be fair, Flamini was at left-back. We had... I can't remember. It was a different kind of game because we were more in a mood of containment than attacking. But we still stood up and we still contained them. That was a thing. Mm. We, we can't do that anymore. But that, that's why the performance I've been most proud of in, in my 30, uh, 30 years of going to Arsenal was the Champions League final. Yeah. Mad Jens gets sent so, off after yeah. 13 minutes. Yeah. And for us to go 1-0 up and then hold on to that until so, Almunia yeah. scores two own goals. Yeah. Um, I've never been... Glory, when, when the final whistle goes and you see uh, all, all ten of them flat on their backs, there's nothing more they can give. I've never been more proud in my entire life. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. I mean, looking at the back three at the cup final, you have Mertesacker, Holding and Monreal. And I will just mention a question here from Seb uh, Forkua. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrongly, Seb. Your thoughts on Rob Holding's influence to the Arsenal back line. So yeah, that's sort of, we're going to discuss that. Um, it was a completely new trio that never played together before <laughs> um, were Chelsea just poor or, or were, were they just incredible the, oh, the back three oh. mm, great yeah. Yeah. yeah some of the blocks they were getting in some of the tackles the, the spirit <coughs> they showed the positioning the, the tactical awareness the, 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 the working hard as well leaving everything out there on the pitch it was glorious to see allied with a bit of, bit of skill as well a bit of does anyone attacking intent uh, uh, where's the other one I had some three fourth for uh, yeah, so Walter Toft uh, asks, "Will we keep the three-four-two-one formation? It really does give us a solid defensive platform to build our attacking play and seem to suit the squad." Uh, and Seb again asks, "Are you happy with three-four-two-one, <coughs> or would you like Wenger to tweak it to three-four-three with two out and out wingers alongside a central striker?" Mm. Well, I'm getting confused there because it's very fluid anyway. Let me put it this way. 
Are we going to see three at the back next season as a matter of course? I think so. I mean, um, it's what Pengu did with 4-2-3-1. Saw that Barcelona and Real Madrid had been doing it for about 18 mm-hmm. months. Some of the teams in England started picking up, so that's the way to go. Um, although I'm correct in saying he still goes to these UEFA conferences every summer, uh, these coaching things. I mean, it could be the, at that one last summer that that was something that was promoted. And he was, duh, trust me, 4-2-3-1, tiki-taka, that's all we need. Um, and then uh, he didn't do that whatsoever. Conte started doing that after we destroyed them at our place and they um, turned into a, a fantastic side. And then after the horses bolted, uh, we decided to shut the, uh, the, the stable door and uh, start doing it ourselves. So I think because it's the thing, I think it's quite obvious to be doing that. Yeah, I think he's very reactive rather than proactive. And it's just not... <coughs> you know, why not adopt it in, in, in late autumn, early December when you see Chelsea... You know, starting that phenomenal run of was it 12, 13, 15? Well, I, I, I said I, was, I thought about that in November time. <laughs> but I decided, yeah, he's from Germany, uh, but I decided not to. So, yeah. why, why comes out with, with quotes like that? Yeah, just like when you, when you talk about this, I don't know, Ibrahimovic or something like. Oh, I could have signed him. Nearly signed him. Well, yeah, yeah, so does Messi. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do we think of the goalkeeper situation? I mean, there are calls from uh, some people to bring back Chesney, who's apparently had an impressive two-year spell in Roma. Yeah, apparently he has as well. But can I just say, I mean, I don't understand why he didn't pick Czech. Czech. Well, because the, the previous two finals, his policy had been yeah, to play the cupkeeper, and Ospina had lost out. Yeah, it's it's, it's more a rhetorical question because... I did have an idea about this thing, about having cup final goalkeepers, which was the policy, yeah. which is we could have cup final managers. I know, <laughs> managers. <laughs> Who would you have for Well, Arsene Wenger could do all their cup games, and maybe we'll have a leg reach for the Champions League. You know, because he couldn't argue, Because it's his strategy. It's genius, that's genius. It's his strategy <laughs> as well. No, clearly, and I mean, you know, I don't like it, but it's done at other clubs now. Mm. And I do see the logic that, that the benefit of it is that you actually keep a better quality reserve goalkeeper throughout the season mm. if you had a big injury. Because mm. I think if you're going to keep someone at the level of Ostina, they're going to want to know they're going to get a minimum of kind of 10, 12 games a year. Would you but, say he's a good keeper, though, Well, that... I actually think that Ospina would get into the first team of probably at least half of the teams in the Premier League. That's not enough to win the league, does it? Oh, no, it isn't. But how good are you going to expect a guy... Well, he's with Arsenal. We should have the best league. Well, you, you know, who is... Um, the, you know, if you look at the reserve keepers at City, United, Chelsea, it's not easy. I mean, Chelsea's had a very strong one, but they've just sold him for a lot of money to Bournemouth. Mm. I, do, I do see the challenge there I actually from what I've heard and you know I think goalkeeping is about maturing I think it would be very interesting to bring Chesney back as the backup promising the Europa League you know and the other cup games that's a minimum of 10 games with the groups and what's coming up and also getting to push Czech because I actually don't think Czech had a great season I think he no. had a great finish yeah. to the season yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah fair point just with a spinner I, I heard a couple of um, people talking about it on the weekend and um there was a theory that he was picked because he's quicker off his line. Basically, if Chelsea get behind our back line, certainly with Mertesacker you know, in, in the hard defence on Saturday, he was quicker at coming out. But I just don't like the, the rigid strategy. Oh, yeah, you know, you, I, you, you play cup games, you play league games. It's the end of the season. I think it's going to be off. Why not play Czech? Well, in fairness, the, the two keepers who played in the last two successful mm. finals both departed the club. OK, Chesney only on loan. Yeah. But that was their last game for the club, effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it will be interesting to see if that it, remains it, it's, it's last game. It's clearly almost contractual in the commitment given <laughs> to the keeper. Mm. But, you know, almost contractual. And I'd rather there was more flexibility, and mm. I would have picked 
check because I felt it was such an important game. Yeah, agreed. You know, yeah. Ospina <coughs> is almost certainly one of those going. We think. I would have thought so. Yeah. I mean, I think the, um, uh, the, the the Chelsea goal summed him up in the sense it was a good dive, but his arm wasn't long enough. And <laughs> <laughs> well, it nearly cost us. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. it nearly yeah. cost us because he should have done better than that. Okay. Um, well, we've got a uh, question, and there's another one on Seb, actually, so there's lots of good questions from him, um, monopolising things at the moment. Can you see Wenger finally bringing in a defensive midfielder, which is a position which hasn't been filled properly since Gilberto's departure? Or do you think Arsenal will persist with the very promising partnership of Xhaka and Ramsey? Now, you know, on the final, both of those players had outstanding games. Um, but to an extent... Didn't really have to nullify Chelsea too much. Are they going to be first choices next season? I think he might have. They're great questions and fair play for uh, for engaging with us on social media. But I think he's forgotten Sadi Cazola. Okay. First first few months of the season, or until he got injured, the first few weeks, then maybe he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. He's so quick feet. He's got such quick feet. He can he can take a defensive position and turn it into attack in a space of a couple of milliseconds basically because of his quick feet and his vision so he's got to be factored in next season but if his injury is so serious that he's not going to start next season or could potentially have an effect on his career that, that's completely different and then you've got Jack as well Jack Wilshire what, what, what's going to happen with him? Well that is a very good question Yeah, I've got to say I, I, I shouldn't say this but I talked to his agent the other day I can't tell you anything that I said and he said to me but I'd be interested to see if he comes back you know and it, we've, we've obviously got Jack who arguably had his best game of the season for mm. Arsenal on Saturday, he was fantastic. Ramsey has a year left on his deal. Is that well? Correct? That's another thing as well. We've got to talk about Wenger. How many players have got one year left? How many players? The Ox, 12. The Ox as well. Yeah, is it twelve? Yeah, we were. Someone asked me the so other day. Wait, about well, that. That, is that an argument to have some kind of employees in the hierarchy? Who are overseeing this instead of a manager who's supposed to be coaching the first team? Yeah, yeah. What I, yeah absolutely. I completely agree. What, what I find, or what, what I want to find out, is obviously, you know, and it's a whole new can of worms in terms of the debate about Usmanov coming in or whether he's, you know, a stalking horse or whether he genuinely believes he's going to buy the shares. But where's David Dean in this? He's, he's David. David Dean is his man now, isn't he? As far as I know, Usmanov's man. Yeah, yeah. So why isn't David Dean part of the conversation anymore? Because, because basically, Usmanov could could literally go. I've got David Dean. I'm more than happy to bring David him back. David Dean will never get back in that club as long as Cronky is yeah. the majority. Of I, I think you're because right. Because there's yeah. some agreement was made uh, with Fisman that Dean would not come back to yeah. us. I think you're right, but also Hillwood did say we're never going to do business with that man, meaning Cronky, mm. a few years back, so things can change, but I don't well, understand can, why Usmanov just doesn't use him as his trump card and go, if you sell shares to me, I will bring back David Dean. And who will that's, act as that's the whole point. Dean actually had to withdraw from Red and White Holdings because Arsenal completely froze them out, as long as Dean was involved. Money talks, though. Money. If you're offering 35 grand a share, and I'm I did see your tweet, wow, 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 Tim, on, um, on 35 grand a that's, share. That's sort of level they'd have to get to. It's crazy money. Yeah, it? yeah. And also, you've, got a, you've almost got a geopolitical argument where an American's not going to sell to a Russian, basically, or an Uzbekistani. I, th- I think it's all, actually, it all does come down to the David Dean. Yeah, there's a lot in that. Yeah, yeah. But if, if you read them, um, I mean, the story obviously came from the FT, and I'm sure we've all read it. That, that was the source, that was the original source. And they talked about the fact that, you know, you've got Kronk and you've got Usman. But there were, there were a couple of other bidders 
unnamed bidders circling around. Yeah. So if they're the ones coming in, why don't they say, well, we'll bring they haven't got that sort of money. Well, we don't know. No one knows, do they? No one knows. It might be Arab money. It might be Chinese money. No one knows. One of them is a Qatari fund. But how, how do you know that, though? Money. I've been talking to some of the people around the bids and the boardroom and what's been going on. There is more than, There was is interest from more than one out there. But Kronk is not budging. So it Qatari, does, Qatari are, money, though, they've got billions. No, no, <coughs> does they actually? They could buy they 35 invest in a way that is seen as yeah. But, but once they get control of the club, pride. once they get control of the club, yeah, it's, the, it's the amount of money you need to get control. Does, of the 35 grand a share. Does everything have a price? That is the question. Yeah, definitely. So there is there is a price yeah. at which Cronky would sell. Definitely. Yeah. Whether or not anyone can pay it. Oh well, at that level, there's a price that everybody would sell everything. Mm-hmm. You're talking about astronomical levels. Right. Someone's got it. But so I, I'm going to I'm going to go on to protests next because, um, well, I'll read the question out later. But because this is actually my question, do you think? Let's say things don't go well next season. Okay. Say there are definite bidders lined up to make Cronky an offer the supporters have got the taste for chanting against Cronky we saw that at the Everton game do you think he can be influenced by a protest against him specifically? No, no, he's not there to hear it or see it Right. Okay. Care. then I'm going to give you another example he just doesn't care. Cronky doesn't own Asda but his wife does okay Let's just say a protest was organised whereby Arsenal fans did not shop at Asda. Most Arsenal fans only shop at Waitrose anyway, Kev. You're really dreaming here. I love your humour. Do you think that kind of impact would actually ruffle any crime? I, I think you've been drinking too much of the Kool-Aid, I'm afraid. Can you imagine Arsenal fans taking their protest to the aisles of Asda? I think, you know... It, you know, it's very, very hypothetical, and I don't think, in terms of even in the company structure, it would have an impact. The problem is, he lives in Missouri. The first time he's been, one of the reasons that the club is in the mess is the first time he met Arsene Wenger this year to stitch up the deal to do two more years, but the first time he's spoken to him, met with him, or had any engagement with him was two days ago, at the end of May. No phone calls, no turning up, no support, no shoulder to cry on. No morale boost at all in all those other months. He's been to two Arsenal games this year. Mm. He's not going to care if, I mean, if, if, a few, if a few of the unwashed on the North Bank chant isn't for him to go. Mm-hmm. It's not going to touch him. Doesn't care about the supporters. I mean, look, he doesn't care about the supporters of the St Louis Rams. I mean, his home state, uh, Missouri, the home of the St Louis Rams. I mean, he sold them out to Los Angeles. At the start I, think of he would, I think he would care more if the seats were empty and not paid for. Exactly. It's all about EBITDA. You know, yeah, but on that know. level. You know, the Champions League is worth a significant amount of money. Yeah, but the players... A lot more, in fact, than probably the seats in that respect. It's going to cost Arsenal not to be there, but not by that much. I think two years of it really starts to hit because it starts to... Where it hits is it hits your associated revenue. So your sponsors start saying, oh, I'm not sure. Your big players start coming. One year out is like a blip that can be managed. And you're talking probably about £25 million hit on a turnover of £400 million. So as a percentage of the turnover, it's, it's very manageable. The real fear for Arsenal will be doing two years in a row because then you're going into renewal with Emirates and Puma, then you're, you know, you're compounding it, your top players don't want to come, and it's there. But it, it, obviously they don't want it to happen, but it's not, a, it's not a significant financial 
impact not to be in the Champions League for a year anymore. Can I just say, I, I, I agree with what you were saying. I get your point, Kev, about um, boycotts. In, in a previous life, I used to be an investment banking, got an MBA. I know the fact that if you if you can hit the advertisers and, and the people who are bringing the revenue or, or providing the revenue through a boycott, a concerted boycott, you can make a difference. And maybe someone like a Liverpool or a or Newcastle can do that because they're, I've said this before, they're, they're, they're cities where you've got a community, everyone acts together, you know, they're, they're, there's a bit of solidarity there. I'm not saying there's not solidarity with Arsenal fans, but it's a more disparate area. You've got London, you've got the South East. If, if there was a concerted boycott from every Arsenal fan on the planet not to buy a penny from the club or, or even, I know I was laughing as well and it was a funny point, but to, to say, right, we're not going to shop in X shop, it might make a difference. Because the bottom line is money and it is revenue. And also, if there was a concerted boycott, not, you know, different boycotts for different reasons and boycotts that could turn into apathy, so you're looking at the seats going, is that a boycott or would people just not be asked to turn up? So the Sunderland game comes to mind. If there was a proper boycott, that would make a difference as well. But there never will be. Because, because of the people who've done the, the protest, good luck to them. There's a lot of reasons there. There's a lot of different characters. There's a lot of people who are doing it for various reasons. And it will never be a unified sort of cause, basically, unfortunately. Because if there was, it might make a difference. It might make Cronky sit up. But apart from that, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. OK, well, I'm going to bring in a, a listener question because of the Champions League issue and its impact. Um, as Anthony Glenn has tweeted, do the panel think... Arsenal will get back into the Champions League again under Arsene now that every club has financial clout. Now, Everton, supposedly, is going to be investing more and more. Yeah, but well, that's Mashiri, isn't it? He's come from Arsenal. It is Mashiri. It is I mean, Ushmanov, you know, who knows? Maybe behind Mashiri, Ushmanov may contribute. We don't know. Um, but... The fact is that the TV deal for Premier League has, has basically made the gap between the top and bottom clubs a bit a bit. Well, there, was, there were six. Do we include clubs. Everton? I, I was going to say six. And Everton potentially able to break in there. I mean, Everton, and, and then Everton got, are still operating on a wage bill less than half Arsenal's. But you've got so. the, the X factor like, OK, they might not win the league, but you might have a team like Leicester have a good season you have, it's, t- it's really tough you've got you've only got the four spaces and for much of uh, for all the talk about Arsene Wenger living in poverty he was always in the top four spenders with kind of wage bill and transfer accumulated and he's been really clever at playing uh, I was working in poverty yes the fact yeah. is at the Emirates Stadium he increased his wage bill significantly compared to staying at high because he was collecting an extra £60 million in gate receipts. It's a myth. What he'd be more sensible doing is saying I got outspent by Chelsea and Manchester City, which is actually true. You know, it wasn't his budget that went down. But now, it's really tough. It's like musical chairs. And the danger is, I think, that Arsenal fall out for a couple of years and sort of fall into the level of a Liverpool rather than mm. trying to keep up. And when I said there were six, there were, there were, there were a big three and then there were the next three behind. Because the two Manchester clubs and Chelsea, they do have some firepower to turn on. They've got one hell of a battle. Um, I would plead the, the, the fifth on your question until I know what happens <laughs> to Sanchez and Ozil. Right, OK. Yeah. I think we had but a question. I suspect what you I know t- there, and I think it's going to be a, a bloody hard scramble for top four next season. 
Okay. Um, Nick Cowan, uh, one of uh, David's Facebook chums, has um, asked Sanchez, is he staying? Given the fact that he can leave after next season for free, what are the chances that Arsenal will sell him in this transfer window? And if they don't, what efforts do you think the club will make to keep him once his contract expires, if any? Does anyone here think Sanchez will sign for an extension? No. <laughs> I hope he does. I really hope he does. I'm sure you all hope he does. I, I don't know. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No. No. So basically, Sanchez is gone. So basically, um, immediately, we've got to rebuild in terms of the level that this... What is that? 24 goals and 16 assists? No, there's more goals was than that. Was it 30 in total? Was it in the league? Was it 30 yeah, in all yeah, competitions. No competition. yeah. The first player to do that since Robin Van Persie. And the assists. It's a hell of a lot yeah. to put back in. Yeah, was it 50 In a transfer market where quality does not come along easily so and readily. let's pin down. Arsenal are offering the guy 300 grand a, a week. Is another club going to offer him more? That's in Europe. Okay, China, yes. But in Europe, is another club going to offer him more than 300 grand a week? That's the only question, isn't well, it? Well, what another club might be able to do is offer him a £10 million signing on fee yeah. and 200 grand <coughs> a week and do it like that and work on the basis that they would be able to screw Arsenal to a certain extent on the transfer fee. Right. So that's how it's be, done. It would be part of that. what they would be prepared to spend. So Bayern Munich, who cannot put him on a wage like that because it would bust their wage bill. Mm-hmm. Remember Bayern Munich, who outplay us comprehensively every time we're working on a smaller wage bill yeah. than Arsenal. Right. Do you remember? They couldn't do that, but they could do it and get away with it by, you know, in their mind, let's say they, they paid 40 million to Arsenal mm-hmm. and gave him 20 million. They think 60 million for Sanchez in the transfer market is good value. Mm-hmm and stick him in, I don't know, at 180 or whatever uh, uh, buy them, which would be at the top of their wage structure. That's how it's, that's how it's done. Right, so when Ivan Gazidis says we can be on a level with Bayern Munich, in theory, financially, we're actually ahead of them. Would that be fair? Yes. Yeah. So on that logic, we're being let down somewhere. Okay, that's pretty black and white, isn't it? It, yes, it's I, where I give a little bit of defence to them on that is that on that budget, Bayern Munich are stand out alone in Germany, right. which means that yeah, they're likely to Europe, win that league and that creates in, it. In the whereas, Champions League, whereas, you know, we, we you know we're on that budget and we got three clubs that are stronger here. So we we're so, a handicap because we have yeah. a tougher domestic league, hence we can't do as well in Europe. No, I, I don't so much agree with that one. What I'm pointing out is that you can do very well in England and still come fourth. Hmm. Whereas over there, Munich win their league, which brings the renewed sponsorship and all of those kind of things. Right. Okay. But it, it's, so there are only gigs. We, un- we are considerably underperforming the budget that is given to the manager, particularly in Europe. Hmm. Okay. All right, a couple of arson questions. Um, in the light of today's announcement... Is Arson now bulletproof for the next two years? That's Kieran Trotter. And a rather interesting one from Nick Cowan. In the wake of Wenger remaining as manager for the next couple of years, do you expect a dressing room revolt? Well, not, not an official one. I think there may have been one this season anyway. Um, but basically, is Arson now unsackable? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. 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 You know, that, that, going back to that Palace game, that was the worst performance I've seen in 30 years from us. It reminded me of sort of dog days of, of Terry Neal and Donnell as well. And it was just awful. Mm. And if you can survive that on the back of 
seven defeats out of 12. Admit these won the FA Cup, but when the pressure is really on, they could have made a decision. They could have made a statement saying, well, we're not going to win it. I, I don't think that would have ever happened, but they could have done based on the results because they weren't good enough. And it was the performances that were terrible. It, was, it wasn't like we were being unlucky in losing. We were terrible. It was, it was the perfect time to end the, end the relationship mm. between Wenger and Arsenal yeah. in the sense that his contract is winding down, his 21st anniversary, a yeah. chance for crowning off with FA Cup win. I mean, you, you couldn't write a more perfect an ending unless it was Spurs who beat in the final rather than yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. You know, but um, as, as, as was remarked earlier on, the first time the, um, the majority owner speaks to the manager is in a, a, a hastily scheduled meeting immediately after the final one day before the actual board meeting to decide whether they were staying on. Do we know where that meeting took place? Because it didn't happen at Highbury House. Probably Slavages. Right. Is that where Stan was staying? Yes. Okay. Um, so Simon Albert tweets, will Wenger leave Arsenal in two years or stay forever? He'll stay for 25 to get his long service medal. <laughs> so we, we don't think this is the last contract. Jock Steen. Who knows? Jock yeah. Steen all over Yeah, but Jock Steen wasn't fit. Didn't you say win nine trophies in a row? Or titles in a row? Therein, <laughs> there is a bit of a difference if you look at the two guys physically. Okay. Well, you see the point I was making. He'll be there till death. Yes. All right. <laughs> that that I'll, I'll, I'll accept. Um, okay. Uh, what will Dennis Kay tweets? What will represent success for you in these next two years? League points total or a cup or both, do you think this squad can challenge? It's got to be winning the league. It's got to be winning the league. That's got to be success for Arsenal. Well, Arsenal talks about yeah. the next level. Yeah. But, but that I, is it. Yeah. I mean, there, there were people bringing out quotes. I mean, maybe they had it primed, I don't know, on Twitter earlier. As soon as it officially you know, was, said, was said today, although obviously the Isn't Gazette did a couple of stories yesterday on it, they were saying, they were bringing out quotes from Arsenal Wenger in 2007 saying, if we don't challenge in the next couple of years, if we don't win in the next couple of years, i.e. the league, then we're doing something wrong. This was like 10 years ago. Mm. So it, it almost doesn't matter what he says, it's what we do on the pitch. Yeah. And we're not good enough to win the league. Not, not as things stay in those of today. Oh, okay. um, Steve Pye, who is a regular contributor, he tweets, a manager past his best, our two world players, world-class players want to leave Ox and Wilshire may be off out of touch board members any hope for next year uh, we won the FA Cup final against the league champions with a performance of intensity that if replicated on a regular basis could have won the league do you think we will see more of those kind of performances now the players know they can do it in the next season now the FA Cup final is a unique game in the sense you can't try and play for a point and ten behind the back as you get away at Stoke etc um, th- no it was, it was unique I mean if, if, if that was first game of the season uh, us versus Chelsea and we come out and throw everything at them go 1-0 up um, Chelsea will quite happily just soak up um, our, um, our attacking after that and try and make a goal on the counter-attack. Whereas good it was the FA Cup final and their season is only 90 minutes long within that game. They had to come at us and then they, they basically think as they did. So, well, whilst it was a brilliant performance, I mean, it, it was what it was. It was a, it was a one-off game. Um, but yeah, yet the players have it in them. Hmm. No, I mean, they've now got three months off. You've got to ask why psychologically... Yeah. They are not able to use that intensity of performance on a more regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. The height of our powers, Invincibles, you could argue from finger from 98 to 2006, we used to laugh at teams like Spurs because they'd get so up for a big game. And we'd, we'd never really beat them, but occasionally they would beat us. Maybe not Spurs, but other teams. 
it's a sign of a team lacking in mental toughness to get up for a massive game, whether you win or lose, to get up for that game and not do it consistently. And that's what we've done over there. That's what we're about. We need to do that week in, week out to win the league. And those players just can't do that. Why? I, I don't think it's the players. I, the buck's got to stop at the manager. Mm-hmm. It's got to be motivation. It's got to be tactics. You know, you could argue tactics prior to the back three. It's got to be the, 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 just, the, just the whole package, basically. And that buck stops with Wenger, basically. And we're not good enough under him to win the league. Mm. Okay. Unless we get the marching band on the pitch before the game. <laughs> and the march. Do you abide with me in that yeah. before kick-off? You know, get the players in suits going out on the pitch, wave at the family. By the way, I don't... I disagree with the question. I don't think Urzel will be going anywhere this summer, partly because I don't think there's anywhere for him to go. Um, one of my fears has been uh, Sanchez will go, and that will mean uh, Urzel will get given a contract bigger than he deserves, <laughs> because he'll play. We can't afford to lose both, and Arsenal have got to watch that. And he's a great player. He deserves a good contract. But, uh, you know, and what a silly world we live in where I can say 200k a week, I think he's right, 300k a week is crazy. I mean, they're both crazy amounts, aren't they, for kicking yeah. around a bit of leather. Absolutely. But, uh, you know what I mean by that. Um, I, do, I can also see the potential that Ozil winds it down. Oh, so he doesn't sign but plays out the last year. Yeah. And then he gets a big pay deal. Then he gets a big pay deal and also the choice. Because I think, you know, it's interesting, it might be two or three years too early, but he'd like to finish in Turkey, wouldn't he? Yes, mm. it does seem so. Uh, regular contributor Simon Rose yeah. tweets, have all the protests and protesters now been well and truly gazumped? Could anyone or anything be held to account going forward? I think we've kind of answered mm-hmm. that one already, so Simon, thanks for that. Um, all right, let's just... just Let's just play Fantasy Island, OK? I've got a question from Kyodash, who says, I cannot go through another tier years seeing the same result as the past 13. What is the difference Wenger is going to make? Is Arson capable of actually changing himself to get more out of his team? No, no. No, and you know he's sixty-seven, sixty-eight, and good luck to him. You know, but what sixty-seven or sixty-eight role will suddenly go? Do you know what? I'm I'm going to change the methods I've used for the last twenty years in my career, in my job, in my profession, and and, and try and uh, and adapt. No, he's he when he first came to English football, he was brilliant. He was revolutionary. He brought so many things into football, into English football that deserves for his memory and him to be lauded forever in terms of English football. But from 2006 onwards, he's regressed, and he's regressed the club as well in terms of challenging for the top honours, which is the Premier League and the Champions League. So, no. No, unfortunately, no. Um, OK. Let's talk about fan unity. Um, because, obviously, there's been a big divide in the fan base. Now, Brian Dawes has written for the Guna for many years... And I know he's quite passionate. This is quite an angry email he sent, but I'm going to read it out. And I'm going to answer it, and then Tim will answer it, and also you'll see why. Um, Brian says, Yes, Cronky is an undesirable owner, but we're clearly not SHIT like famous clubs such as Blackpool, Leeds, Cardiff, Villa, Orient, Forest, or Blackburn. So given that Arsenal, with his three trophies in four seasons, has got the job, Given that Cronky is apparently going nowhere, and given that all those utterly pathetic and frankly sad Wenger out planes, banners, hoardings, infighting and verbal diarrhoea didn't and will not change a thing, is there any chance that the Guna, Arsenal Supporters Trust 
and the rest could actually get behind the team next season, no matter who is playing in it. We need positive support and positive thinking for a change. As I recall, it is what alleged supporters do. And don't give me the answer that we're entitled, because we all play through the nose. Football fans, like modern society, fail to realise that no one is entitled and no one is guaranteed a thing in life. So I will respond on the Gooner's behalf, in that the Gooner is an open church. We publish articles which are in favour of the things as they are, such as on the website regularly, Graham Perry and a guy called Baba Grumpy, Others don't write the articles, but if they did, we'd run them. In the fanzine itself, we've got Mickey Cannon, who's very pro, uh, Steve Ashford, who goes with the wind, and myself in my editorials, who basically, if things look like they're not right, I will point them out. But I will never uh, not support the team in that respect. But the Gooner is an open, open forum, and it will publicise, for example the protest movement, because, you know, it is a section of Arsenal fans that have an opinion and want change and are doing something about it, and I'm not going to ignore that as an editor, but at the same time I will also give air to those of the opposite view. So it's up to the people who like what's going on at the club to write in and they will be published. As the Arsenal supporters trust, Arsenal supporters trust support the team. Don't. Oh, totally, and I don't can't recall at any moment there ever being any statement or effort to have the team not supported. In fact, it's Cronky and his lot that are holding the club back. You know, the AST has been at the forefront of trying to get the empty seats filled, mm. so the atmosphere will really improve. And they won't introduce the the um, credits or improve the ticket exchange. They won't they won't support wholeheartedly and say standing. They say that they're interested to. They won't take more action to support red action and trying to get more noise behind the ground. So, uh, you know, I am committed to supporting the team, and I don't think we've any done anything to challenge that. What I would pick up on Brian's comments though is there is a difference between supporting the club and pandering and agreeing with everything that they do. If you're a true supporter of the club, you want it to be stronger and better. doesn't mean that you think that Cronky's ownership is the right way forward. I'd remind you, Brian, there's that word called club. It's meant to mean clubbing together. It's not meant to be taking hold of something and actually describing yourself as an investor. Not an owner of an institution, not a custodian, not someone that wants to be faster. Brian can go and live in North Korea if he wants to live in a world where everyone just hails the great leader and (laughs) isn't speak out. But I don't think support or love for Arsenal is not putting pressure on to get lower tickets in the Europa League next year so more people go and we get a better atmosphere. I don't think it's sitting around and accepting that the current performance of the team overall has been any good. So... You know, what Brian should do is put his energies into getting the people that run Arsenal to make it a stronger team so that everyone is happier. Do we think next season, we now that the Wenger issue has been settled, now I think we all understand that Arsenal isn't going anywhere and never will unless there's something changing above him. Do you think the infighting will continue? Can I just say, first of all, well said, Kev, and well said, Tim, completely agree with everything you say. And from an Islington Gazette point of view, we get behind the side as well, but it doesn't mean slavishly following the party line, basically. 
Um, in terms of next season, it just depends how they do on the pitch. So that's the bottom line. It's all about results. Yeah, yeah it's all about results. That's all that matters. If we win our first 10 games of the season, there won't be one protester outside. Mm-hmm. If we lose three out of 10, draw the other two, protesters start welling up again. It's all about what happens on the pitch. And that goes back to the manager and the team. And, and the, the manager and the, does well, the team does well, club does well. And the only protest I've seen during games, well, you know, when the away fans turn, something is really up mm, there. Yeah, and absolutely. that happened at certain games. But at, the, but at the Emirates, the protest, and it got to extraordinary levels, the protest was, was often 10,000 people leaving their seats empty. And at one or two games, it got up nearer 20,000. That's a protest. And it might not be a, a lean forward, mm. deliberate protest. It's, it's a changing fan base. It says, oh, you're not very good at the moment. I can't be asked. I'm not going. That's so I don't enjoy watching you anymore. And, you know, that is protest. And there is a, you know, a huge amount of it going on. Yeah. And I think we'll see record empty seats at games next season yeah interesting particularly I can say that partly because there is this new thing called the Europa League which is being forced on the season ticket and whereas I might enjoy turning up to watch the Finnish champions for the first time ever I, I feel wow <laughs> you, have I you been researching them already they were going to be 30 to 40,000 battling around in that stadium first group stage games wow um, okay, I will just mention this, a question from Sarah, whose handle on Twitter is at sarah.honey. Um, <laughs> is, is there anything player focus that can unite fans next season? I think we covered that by saying winning games. <laughs> She's also asked, has fan muppetry this season ended any hopes of safe standing sections? Um, I don't think the... Muppetry to which she refers, presumably the protests, is going to make a blind bit of difference to that. Do, do we think we will see safe standing within the next five years? No, because it's not what um, ultimately middle class fans want, it's what football fans want, and uh, the two are not completely mutually exclusive. I'm a little bit more optimistic. I've been in meetings with the Premier League recently discussing this, who are having an open consultation on the issue. They have got some clubs pushing them quite hard. Indeed, Chelsea and Spurs are both pushing quite hard because it's like a decision in time to build it into their new mm. stadium. I tell you what, some of what Spurs are doing with their stadium is going to embarrass us <laughs> with the effort they're making to make it fan-friendly. You know, the one-tier cop behind the goal, yeah. the efforts to relocate people sitting next to each other. They've partly had the experience of watching us not do it particularly well. Yeah. And, you know, and that's partly, you know, that's not totally a criticism of Arsenal because we no. went first and, and got there. But there is a genuine debate about introducing it and actually they look, one of the things they're looking at which you can say well it happens now is what they call approved standing which is just where, where you're allowed to stand in seated areas and you're not kind of heavily stewarded which is sort of an extension of what you have there and move up to safe standing. But we did a big survey the Gunas supported it and others in promoting it. It was the largest ever survey of supporters at any club, I think more than 8,000 responded in all during the season. It had 97% in favour. So if Sarah would like to see fans united on something, I think we found it, 97% in favour. Don't get Arsenal fans agreeing on anything in that number. Let's bring back safe standing to English football. And I think there's a 50-50 chance by 2020 we'll see it. 50-50. Yeah. yeah, I think if you look at teams like Celtic, they've already got that in place. Works and, very well. Yeah, it works very well. You know, we've, we've been to the Munich Stadium, the, the Olympic Stadium in Munich. 
into halfway around Europe. There's a lot of teams that do it. Well, let's it face it, well. there are, chunk, there are mm. sections of the Emirates where people stand every game. Yeah, So if you don't agree with it and you think it's wrong, don't come to the Emirates because yeah. something illegal is happening. Yeah, and it's actually more dangerous if you stand in front of a seat than stand in front of those. Yeah, oh, you know, it is because you, you tend to stand on it and fall off. Yeah, them, yeah. Or damage your knees. I'm yeah. sure there were some injuries at Wembley on uh, Saturday. <laughs> I nearly had my glasses broke, that's another story. <laughs> we need to remove that again. <laughs> and they actually almost went to the lower tier, but that's another. I've managed to avoid that. Um, just read out a couple of joke tweets uh, from, well you say that, uh, are you surprised that John Terry didn't put on an Arsenal kit and join the celebrations on Saturday? My understanding is he was in fancy dresses going to uh, Did are. anyone say how gutted he looked in that photo as yeah. well? Yeah, <laughs> it was just like, that, that's his legacy, that for me is... John Terry's legacy. What a way to go. What a way to go. Uh, Kevin Thomas tweeted, is the Highbury spy voting Corbyn? I, <laughs> I can speak on the spy's behalf and Tweet say, day, even day. though Jeremy is an Arsenal fan, I don't see it happening. He was at Wembley. He was at Wembley. Good man. There we are. So, uh, one of the perks of the job there. <laughs> mind you, mind the season ticket. Does he have a season ticket, Jeremy Corbyn? Must have. I was trying to find out, because I've been trying to get an interview for him. Must Jeremy Corbyn. Season ticket? I... He goes in nearer the press box area with his son. So he certainly comes and watches Arsenal. Yeah, and they may, I wonder if there's a season ticket in the family or something. Uh, I've, I've never seen him press, near the press box, but that doesn't mean he hasn't got one. But, yeah. I don't no. think he makes from any game no, at no, the moment. No. He is, of course, you could take this either way in your judgment of whether to vote for him, but he's a big advocate of Arsene Wenger. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this is the 67-year-old men from Islington. Yeah, we're teaming together <laughs> in a view of social socialist <laughs> utopia, but never quite delivers. Can I just say <laughs> I did put a picture of your match report on Saturday for Oh, well done. <laughs> um, I'll end with a light-hearted one. Pat Rainsford tweeted: Was it embarrassing that we used "Sweet Caroline" as an Arsenal song at Wembley? We have many iconic fan songs. Other clubs keep using theirs, as in Reading, presumably. Who? Is yeah, they, they should have played good old Arsenal. Yeah. Or um, the 98 one. Oh, Renaud won that. He's very odd how at half-time... In I do think they've greatly improved the, the PA performance at Wembley, bringing in the announcers from the home clubs. I think the use of music, it might not be perfect, but the, the early years, you just got drowned yeah. out by like the latest... So it might not be perfect, but I think it's gone in the right direction. Is it just me or the, or the Paul from BBC Radio Nottingham who does our half time thing calling all you gooners? <laughs> um, he had more. more, more was more he hyped friendly. up as well? Yeah, he, he was. 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 He to do anything on the pitch for <laughs> years, hasn't he? Because he's been supplanted by this Disney guy, <laughs> Nigel, whatever his name is. You know, the he's from um, uh, Nickelodeon uh, AAA. We had the same agent for a little while. That's a true story, Russ. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Leads him more than us. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, just before I'm now, I will just mention we didn't have time for questions from Lukash Patak, Alder Snow, um, Bailey, and uh, Arshavin 69RU. And uh, that's it. So sorry about that, gentlemen. Some of your questions I couldn't really ask. I will. Will I? I will just say one one question from um, Arshavin sixty nine. Are you? 
When is that blank being fired, was his offering. I think we've answered that never. Um, so just wrapping up uh, with the business, uh, time for a quick plug for the season's final issue, the issue of the Guna, which can be bought online if you wish to order it through the store section of the Guna website. Subscriptions are also available. Some people are still under the impression we are calling it a day this summer. This is the printed version of the Guna. So this is just to confirm that next season will be the final one, uh, which sees the Guna sold on match days at the stadium. So you've got six more issues to enjoy next season. Make the most of them. As usual, a reminder that you can contact us regarding anything to do with the podcast via Twitter, at Guna Podcast. Email is gunapodcast at gmail.com. So thank you for your questions and topics submitted for today. With that, it is goodbye from Tim. Goodbye. David. Good night. And the man with a pen in his hand for comfort, (laughs) Leif. Cheers, goodbye. And uh, with that, we will be back with the next edition. Can't you keep the printed Guna going until Arsenal's gone? Uh, <laughs> I think the, the sun will have gone out of business like that. That's, that's, a, that's a subject of a whole new podcast. We'll Sorry, be, I spot you in we'll, we'll be back with the next edition in late August once the new season has kicked off. Until then, enjoy your summer. This is your host, Kevin Witcher. Goodbye and thank you for listening. La di da di da, la di da di di, all good friends and jolly company. Well, hey!